we decided to work with an equity partner. And I think it, it was not wise for us to have this new business plan altogether on, on this larger deal. And while we were led to believe that we had like several backups at, at the several layers, when we came close to, to the closing table a few weeks uh, away from closing, the equity partner bailed out on us and we ended up having no real backup. And, you know, like several partners, obviously, including myself, we, we lost a, a significant amount of earnest money on that deal. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, we have back our guest, Philippe Shulligan. You know, over 2,400 plus units, $140 million portfolio. He's contributed to help raising over $29 million from investors. So we are going to dive in more about syndication and some details that whether you're active or passive, whether you're interested in a multi-asset fund or single-asset fund, we're going to cover that over the next day or so. Philippe, welcome back. I'm honored to have you on and, and continue segments into syndication. What is syndication and some details that aren't talked about enough, I feel like, or at least the details. I appreciate your just time yesterday in diving into your story, getting started in this business and you know, having that coaching mentor, somebody you know, and the benefits that came from that, but then the speed in which then you got an 80 unit and you know, then 180 unit and just so quickly. And so just grateful for you just sharing about that, what real estate syndication is. But I w- want to dive in more today, right? And even deeper into, you know, the responsibilities of the syndicator or the investors and, and even how they profit from a syndication, right? And talk about the structures of some of these deals a little bit. And so I, I know the, the investors who were learning yesterday, whether they're active or passive, you're going to learn a lot more today and, and tomorrow as we dive in. So, Tell us a little bit more about the, the responsibilities of the operator that, that we should be aware of. And then let's dive into your responsibilities potentially of the investor as well. Yes, sure. Thank you, Whitney, for having me back. So the, the responsibilities of the operator is going to range, you know, it's anything that is active on the deal. So it goes from obviously finding the deal, making the underwriting, putting the deal under contract, and then do the due diligence on the deal. You know, obviously you want to, to make sure that your business plan or the, the business plan that you're going to develop is confirmed by, you know, getting an estimate on, on, on different expenses, you know, getting quotes for insurance, for repairs, etc. And that, that's how you, you know, and, and also look at the different, the rents in the market, look at sales comps, you know, you want to firm the sponsor is going to firm their business plan at that point. And usually by the end of the due diligence, you know, they're going to make a decision. Is this deal, you know, are we going to close on this deal? You know, are, are all our assumptions have been confirmed and it's a deal worth presenting to our investors or not. So it's a, there's go, no go decision. But by that time, you know, they will have studied the deal probably for, between 15, 30, 45 days, you know, they will have spent day in, day out looking at the deals, at the different aspects of the deal, working the deal with contractors, with a property manager, etc. So, you know, build a team, you know, with the lawyer, the lender. And then it's time, you know, when, when you, you know, the decision is made to go and, and close on that deal, you know, you're going to work with the lender 
send an application for for getting a loan and so on and and you know start work with your SEC lawyer to do the the paperwork the private placement memorandum and the operating agreement for the company and then you're going to present the deals to the deal to your investors so you know it's typically it could be a webinar or it could be a recording or just some kind of, of PowerPoint, you know, that's how you're going to, to introduce the deal and, and, you know, spread the word, right? You know, send some emails, text messages and whatnot to the investors and, and to, to get interest. And, and, you know, what the sponsor will do is really like show the highlights of the deal there. You know, those are the type of returns. Those are, this is why do we think the market is, uh, is a good market. This is why we think this deal, the business plan on this deal is very likely to succeed. So that would be pre-close. You know, you're going to receive the money from investors, put in an escrow account until the day you close the, the real estate transaction. And uh, once you close that, that transaction, you'll have your property manager take over the deal. And after a few weeks, you know, you'll be able to see how the deal is doing. You'll send up updates to your investors and distributions, right? I mean, that's all, you know, that's, that's why we are doing the, these investments. The sponsor will oversee the asset and that's what we call asset management. That's another responsibility of the sponsor. So, you know, fast, Fast forwarding to the disposition phase or so let's say there will be a capital event eventually. So the capital event could be a refinance. So the sponsor obviously will work with the lender to get better terms on, on the loan and be able to get some cash out that we can send to, to the investors. Or it's purely and simply, you know, a disposition. And often, you know, what happens is by improving efficiencies, doing renovations, you're going to increase the net operating income of the deal. And in commercial real estate with the cap rates, it will directly and proportionally increase the value of the deal. So you'll be able to capture a huge part of the returns at disposition. Sounds like the, the syndicator or the operator ha- has a lot of responsibilities, right? I mean, you, right. I, I would say that's even a, a short list right there, right? You know, of all the things the operator has to be doing and juggling or their team has to be responsible for and be experts in, right? I know I personally am not would not claim to be an expert in all those things you just mentioned, right? But I do have to have people on the team that are. Right. And that's what makes an amazing team as well. And I think that even goes back to the conversation yesterday about, (laughs) you know, do I have skill sets to keep buying single family units or doing all those things myself? Could you do it? Yes. Is that the wisest thing for everyone? Probably not. Right. You know, when you consider the time invested in and all the things that Fleet just mentioned, so much time. So, but I want to move on because there's a couple other things that I want us to have time to dive into today. But what about responsibilities for the investor? Anything they should know or responsibilities for them as they invest passively in a syndication? So there's a legal aspect, which you know I can touch in, in a minute. But first, I would say the responsibilities for the investor is, you know, like we've mentioned yesterday, you're going to, you have to vet the sponsor, right? So you know, get to know the sponsor and look at their track record to them, you know, see what kind of materials, you know, usually they'll have blog posts, you know, they may have some 
videos or, or podcasts and whatnot, you know, you, you want to know them, what they're about, right? What's their values? Again, what's their track record? And, you know, what, what's their why? You know, are they day for the, for the money? And, you know, do, do we, or, or they, they have like a larger purpose. You know, I think it's, uh, typically if it's only like they, they talk about money, 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 that could be, uh, uh, not necessarily a good sign. So th that's, uh, you know, vetting the sponsor. Then you want to take a look at the deal. And it's good to, you know, look at the typical, you know, what type of, of returns are you looking at? You know, what kind of splits? between the sponsor and, and the investor, you know, make sure that your, your interests are aligned, you know, between the sponsor and, and the investor. There are some cases, you know, if there's a, a pref return, for instance, in some cases, it might make sense for the sponsor to sell or refi as soon as possible. But is it optimal for the whole deal? You know, there, there's some questions to be asked there. And at least, you know, understand, have that discussion with the sponsor, what they, what they do. Now, on the legal side, the investor have to review the um, private placement memorandum. Then they have to, so obviously, you know, like we mentioned earlier, there are a lot of pages, but, you know, I think once you've read one, you know, they're all pretty much similar. So, you know, I would do, I would do the exercise, exercise one time and, and then you can focus on what, what's important, like the splits and preferred returns and hurdles, if, if any. And so you'll have to, to fill a subscription agreement as well. And finally, you will have to, to wire your funds. You know, those, those are your responsibilities and just stay on top of the, the deal by reading the, the monthly update and, you know, ask, ask questions if, if, if any. Many great points there, Philippe, just how uh, that, that LP or passive investor needs to ask about, right, ahead of time. I love how you brought up the, the PPM, the private placement memorandum. It is that document that, that you mentioned that you know, has all those risky possible outcomes, right? It's just to ensure that, hey, we both know there's risk to any kind of investing, right? People say, oh, is the PREF guaranteed? I say, well, absolutely not. <laughs> You know, I say, well, what, what investment have you ever made where it was guaranteed, right? I don't know of any. Exactly. Right? And none. And so we all, we're all trying to reduce risk as much as possible. And that document helps to just ensure that, hey, we both know the risks of everything that could possibly happen, but it protects us both as well. I think you mentioned, great, it's like, spend the time at least once to read through it. Yes, 100 plus pages, but you're going to be so much better educated about how these deals work because of that. And then you're going to learn, hey, go back and and... On next deals, you may not have to read all of that. So much of it is the same. However, you do need to look at things like how are the distributions handled? What is that process? It will lay out exactly the distribution like flow of who's getting paid first down. I mean, many layers, right? You need to see that as the investor. What happens if there's a capital call? Who's in charge? What happens if that person unfortunately gets killed and or dies? Or, and who's in charge then, right? And you need to look at some of those things and ask some of those questions that Philippe has, has laid out here. But Philippe, you also mentioned, you know, you talked about the structure a little bit. And let's dive in there a little bit. How does the passive investor look at the structure? You know, how do they choose that syndication structure that maybe makes the most sense for them? And maybe talk about a couple of different ways that maybe a deal could be structured. Yes, sure. So from, from a structure standpoint, you have like the typical, very basic structure. You know, you're going to have a split of the returns between the general partners. So as we mentioned earlier, with all the responsibilities that the sweat equity and the limited partners. So it could range from, you know, a very basic, you know, 80-20. It could be 
60-40 and anything in between or even better winning. So 80-20, for instance, it's 80% for the limited partners and 20% for the general partners. But depending on, on what type of, of returns, the general partners might decide and it might still make sense for the investors to have a, a larger share for them. But then, you know, you have other types of returns that can be added, such as a preferred return. Now, the preferred return, the way it works is if you do, for instance, an 8% preferred return, is that before you do the split that I mentioned earlier, you would give the cash flow would go to the investors up to 8% on yearly basis to their investment. So if you, you invested $100,000, that would mean that you should get $8,000 on any given year. And if the deal doesn't have enough cash flow to generate this amount of money, then it's going to set you know, the, whatever is missing will be set on side and it will be paid at disposition. Are you tired of paying too much in taxes or want to recession-proof your investment portfolio? Whether you're looking for a passive investment income or want to see what joining a syndication team is all about, then you don't want to miss Think Multifamily's annual FIRE Summit Conference, November the 11th and 12th. I'm going to tell you how to save $100, and that's by using promo code WHITNEY100 when you go to thinkmultifamily.com forward slash FIRE. Again, that's WHITNEY100. Did you know that multifamily is one of the most recession-resistant strategies to create long-term equity, cash flow, and build wealth through real estate and can save you big on your taxes? You probably have heard that, but I want you to learn from somebody just like Think Multifamily. They have over 25 years of experience, over 100 apartment syndications, 16,000 units in 13 states, over a billion dollars in assets under management. Think Multifamily has the experience you can trust to grow your real estate portfolio and avoid the pitfalls many investors and syndicators fall into. Think Multifamily believes you don't have to sacrifice your values to be successful. Integrity, transparency, servant leadership, and family values are what you will see and feel when you attend the Think Multifamily event. Go to thinkmultifamily.com forward slash fire for more information and register today. Enter promo code Whitney100 to save $100. Yeah, no, that's great. That that even brings up even a point to the last point about the PPM. Like you need to look at those things, right? What happens if they can't make the distribution? Absolutely. Uh, What happens to those money is going to be set aside and and when when are you going to be paid? Yeah. Absolutely. And the other things that you know, from, from a structural standpoint, you know, the, uh, there are also hurdles that could be made, meaning that the split may change once a key metric is reached, such as it could be, for instance, the sponsor has doubled the investor's money in, in a particular time frame, then anything and, you know, up to that point, the split could be 30% for general partners, 70% for limited partners, but above the uh, 2x equity multiple, you know, doubling the, the investment money, it would go 50-50, for instance. So that's another that's another structure on the splits that is possible. So what, uh, what feedback do you hear from investors, Philippe, you know, from that right there? You know, should they be discouraged because their, their split is, is getting less or, or should they be okay with that? I think they should be okay with that because 
I think that's probably the ultimate way for to provide incentive to the general partners to have the deal perform very well. You know, because the more the more returns, you know, and, and especially I mean if you if you think about it, you know, if you can double your 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 money into any investment, you know, I think that would be and the typical hold is what, you know, four, five, six years. I think that's that's a pretty successful deal at that point. And now you're saying, well, look, you know, you double my money. I'm willing to give you more, you know, Mr. Sponsor. And I think it makes sense. You know, now as a sponsor, I'm very motivated to make that happen. You know, 100% hands down. And especially, you know, again, when you have the pref return that is in place, as I, as we mentioned, all the cash flow is going to be directed to, to the investors. And, and at that point, you know, it could be, there are not a lot of deals these days that are making 8% cash on cash. So it means, you know, there will be a, a good period of time where the, the sponsor may not receive a lot of money at all. So, you know, I think, I think the hurdle makes a lot of sense to provide incentive for the sponsor to make the deal work very well and provide returns to the investors. Yeah, for sure. No, I couldn't agree more. Does that, yeah, it has incentivized them to perform, right? And to make that deal work as efficient as possible. What about other questions that you might encourage an investor to ask before investing in a syndication? Anything else that you would think through, think about, or even, you know, as you've learned a lot more about the syndication business now, you probably have a lot better questions to ask that well, sponsor before you invest. You know, I actually, and, and I think what comes to mind is a question that as, as a sponsor, I, I ask the investors. And it's amazing in some cases, like I remember talking to a couple one time, you know, a young couple, young professionals. And I came to realize, you know, they were telling me, oh, we can, we could invest $50,000, but, you know, we need some time to bring the money together, etc. And, you know, throughout the discussion, I realized that was pretty much, you know, young, young couple, young professionals, that was all their savings. And I told them, no, you know, I, I don't think it's a good idea at this point to put all your savings into one deal. You know, even though it's real estate, like the risks are lower, but you, who knows, you know, what can happen? You know, if you have a black swan event like, like COVID, you know, it could, it could be something else in the future. Who knows? But you don't want to have all your money tied up in one deal. And, and that's where, you know, you, you have to invest in a smart manner. And you don't want to invest like all your eggs in the same basket. So, so that's, that's one thing that, that investors sh should consider. And I, and I think it's okay. You know, it's okay in that case to ask the sponsor, say, look, you know, can I, you know, I know like the minimum investment is, for instance, $75,000, but really I'm comfortable with investing 25, you know, is it okay for me to invest a lower amount? And I think, you know, once, once the sponsor understands the circumstances, they will probably let you in, you know, Again, it's a, if they're not all, all in for the money, they, they should, in, in my opinion. Another question that they, they should, that an investor should, should look at is, I think it's, it's really going back to, to the sponsor. You know, what's, what's their experience? You know, how many deals they have done in that market? In my experience, you know, working with different groups and, and that's how I grew my, my knowledge and my own experience. The most successful sponsors, is the one who are repeating deals in the same markets, right? So you maybe you want the sponsor to have like a thousand units in, in a specific market. But 
if you take the concept of, you know, you don't want all your eggs in the same basket at a higher level, you know, maybe you don't want to keep investing with the same sponsor over and over again because they're going to be in the same market. And who knows, something can happen in that particular market. So it becomes interesting to go and, and work with different sponsors which are in different markets or with groups who are working as co-sponsors you know, with, with experienced sponsors in different markets. That's how you can diversify your investments in different markets throughout the nation and avoid, you know, any, any downturn or, or, or any critical thing happening in your portfolio in case something happens in that, in that particular market. For sure. I, I think it's a very wise words. Uh, it's like, yeah, don't have all your eggs in one basket, right? Drop the basket. You know what happens? You don't, you don't get breakfast. Ultimately, <laughs> maybe for a few days. <laughs> That's great. Now, I just think every investor, especially when you're first starting and, and even as you have invested in numerous deals, you need to think about that. There's many ways you can diversify you know, as you grow and through different operators. Or you know different asset classes and all those things. What about you know what's your worst real estate failure, Philippe? Oh, yeah. So uh, early on, so I mentioned I did my my first two deals. Then the third deal actually I happened to to become a, a mentor on that deal. You know, on, on leading the, the deal to to close. And our, our first deal, we became a little bit more ambitious. Look, after a, a thirty plus million dollar deal, but there were several features on that deal that, that were kind of a little bit unique. You know, it was kind of, it was a new market for us, larger deal. We decided to work with an equity partner. And I think it, it was not wise for us to have this new business plan altogether on, on this larger deal. And while we were led to believe that we had like several backups at, at the several layers, when we came close to, to the closing table a few weeks uh, away from closing, the equity partner bailed out on us and we ended up having no real backup. And, you know, like several partners, obviously, including myself, we, we lost a, a significant amount of earnest money on that deal. But, you know, it, I think it's part, it's, it's part of learning. You know, in that case it was a very expensive learning experience. You know, and I think that that's where, you know, now, you know, because I, I do mentor as well. I'm, I'm helping students to stay away from these more risky ventures and try to steer them towards something that is more uh, mainstream, something that we have experience with. You know, you don't want to be the first necessarily to, to try a new business plan. And, you know, interestingly enough, other groups with whom, you know, I, I, I worked at that time, they experienced the same failure, interestingly enough, right? And it happens all the time, actually, where, where you, you, you're you going to lose honest money deposit. I mean, these days it's because of financing. If you came into a deal with some business plan and you expect the, the debt to be at this point, as we know, interest rates are raising right now. Well, you know, sometimes the deals, they don't, don't make sense anymore. And the risk is if the seller doesn't want to retrade, you're going to lose your, your honest money deposit. But see, this is a failure for the sponsor. It's not something that is going to be reflected to, to the investors because at that point, the investors, they didn't engage any money. Yeah, no, that's a great point as well. 
is a, a risk that the operator is taking, right? With typically their own capital, or it may be a partner or two, you know, in the beginning when you're first getting started, but it thankfully doesn't affect the capital most times of the LP or passive investor. Philippe, Again, grateful for your time today and just thinking through, hey, what are the responsibilities of the syndicator? Even the responsibilities for the investor, you know, as they are looking at a project, even diving into some of the structure components, you know, of a syndication, because that, that can oftentimes seem so complicated until it's just explained. I feel like it's not as complicated as often we we think it may be, you know, when we first hear about this big, scary word of, of syndication, right? And so just grateful for your explanation and just walking us through those things. Again, tell the listeners, Philippe, how they can get in touch with you and learn more about you. And we're going to dive into another topic tomorrow, you know, about the syndication business and how sponsors make money. We're also going to talk about a fund that Philippe has and how it's structured. Yeah, thank you, Whitney. So your listeners, they can reach out to me to via my email address. So it's my first name, Philippe, P-H-I-L-I-P-P-E at boostmycapital.com or check our website, boostmycapital.com. We have a, a little document there they can download regarding different ways to invest your retirement money. You know, it could be interesting for your listeners. Thank you for being with us again today. I hope that you have learned a lot from the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe. I hope you're telling your friends about the Real Estate Syndication Show and how they can also build wealth in real estate. You can also go to lifebridgecapital.com and start investing today. 